Hello, Freedom House, Central Campus. You guys doing great today? Fired up to be in the house of God. How many of you, show of hands, how many of you were at Encounter last night? Awesome, awesome. Wasn't it incredible? Man, it's so good. And I just want to encourage you guys. You know, I've, I've been... Um, I've been in church like my whole, I think I was in church before I was born. I feel like I've just, you know, I've always been in church. But I've been here at this church for many, many years. And Encounter is one of my favorite things. It's just amazing. What happens a lot of times, especially for newer people, they experience Encounter and they come away from it like blown away. Like, wow, I've never experienced anything like that before. Like the presence of God, the power of God. And let me just encourage you, you can experience that anytime you want. Anytime you want. I know, I can tell some of you are like, no, I can't, I've tried. Listen, you can be at home worshiping God and you're like, I don't feel anything. Listen, worship, pray until you do. The difference in encounter is what we push through. We kept singing, we kept worshiping. And sometimes I'll come to an encounter and I'm just dry and I got all these things on my head. But man, somewhere in that night, man, it just breaks and you experience the power and the presence of God. So do that at home, man. Take that with you and just push through, pray through, praise through until you experience the presence of God. Can I get an amen? Isn't that good? So before we jump in today, I want to take a moment. I want to greet our online campus. Um, we have people joining us right now in Alabama, North Carolina, Delaware, New York, Louisiana, and Florida. Will you guys give them a hand? So glad you're with us today. Incredible, incredible. My name is Olin Carter. If you don't know me, um, I'm part of our teaching team. So we have a team of pastors that bring God's word. Something very unique and special about our church that I just love. Um, and so it's not the same person every week. And why is that? Because our senior pastors have a vision not to build a church on themselves, not on one person or personality, but on all of us together on the vision that God has given us. And we attack that vision as a team. And isn't that amazing that we get to do that? So will you guys give some honor to our senior pastors? I always like to give them a hand clap and give them some honor because I appreciate them so much. Without that vision, I wouldn't get to do what I get to do. And what that means for you is you're invited. You have a role to play as well, which is exciting. Very exciting. So we're gonna jump right into God's word today. Have you guys been enjoying this series on the armor of God? I believe we're gonna learn some things today, but we're gonna jump right into God's word. Ephesians chapter six, turn there. Ephesians chapter six, we're gonna start in verse 10. We're gonna read through this entire passage about the armor of God, and we're going to break it down today, and I believe God's going to show us some powerful truth today out of his word. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor. Does he say part of the armor? No, he says the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Don't you know he's got some schemes? The devil has schemes. He's got strategies, plans, tactics to derail you, to attack you. And that's what we have to fight against. Verse 12, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not fighting people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God, he says it again, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate 
of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. You heard about that this morning. With which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Aren't you glad the shield of faith can extinguish them all? He doesn't say some. He doesn't say maybe a little bit of them. No, he says all of them. We can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one. Verse 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Now, what is the point, what is the objective Paul wants to accomplish in this passage of Scripture? I believe he wants to equip the Christian soldier. He wants to make sure that those of us who are in the army of God, he wants to make sure we have the equipment, the training, what we need to be successful in our fight. You know, when someone enlists in the army, there's always a trade-off. When you sign up to serve in the military, you give up some stuff. You give up your rights when you enlist to be in the army. You you go into the army, you don't get to just go anywhere and do anything like you could before. Now you have to follow orders. You got to be where they want you to be. You got to do what they want you to do. And so you give up your rights. I used to work with a guy, he was in the army. And, um, you know, years ago, many times, I don't know if the the term is still used today, but they used to call American soldiers GIs. They were called a G. Ever heard of the GI Bill? They called them GIs. What did that stand for? Government issue. Government issue. Now, what does that mean? He said one time his uh, sergeant told him, he said, listen. He said, listen, boy, don't go out there and get sunburned. I'll write you up. And he said, what would I get written up for? And he says, destruction of government property. (laughs) He said, because you belong to us now. Once you sign up for the army, guess what? You're not your own. You've given up some of your rights. And it's the same thing when you sign up for the army of God. But you don't only give things up you also get something in return. When you sign up for the army, when you sign up for the army of God, what do you get in return? Well, I believe, number one, you get purpose. You get purpose. We get membership into a special group of people that have a purpose so big, they're willing to give their lives for it. Isn't that incredible? That's pretty awesome to be part of a group of people, an elite group that, hey, man, we are so sold out. We have such a special purpose that we're willing to die We're willing to lay down our lives for that purpose. So you get purpose. The second thing you get is you get empowerment. We get training and equipment to keep us safe and to make us deadly to our enemy. When you sign up for the military, they're going to give you the training. They're going to give you the the gear. They're going to give you the weaponry you need. And the goal of a drill sergeant training a soldier Man, they want to make you deadly. They want to make you effective against your enemy. And how many of you know we have a real enemy? We have a spiritual enemy. God wants you to be deadly, to be effective against the powers of darkness, against sin, against lack, against poverty, against depression, against the forces of hell. God wants us to be an army that is effective and deadly against the forces of our enemy. And so here's the problem, and this is what we're going going to talk about today. We're given power, we're given training, we're given equipment. So why 
do all Christians, all churches, why are all these believers not just flourishing? Why are we not always just winning every fight? Why is there an issue here? Why I would submit to you today that the problem with God's army is too many soldiers are either too injured to fight, too unskilled to be deadly, or too unaware of the urgency to change. I'm going to read that to you again if you're taking notes today. Read that one more time. The problem with God's army is too many soldiers are either too injured to fight, too unskilled to be deadly, or too unaware of the urgency to change. If you're taking notes, the title of the message today is The Armor-Less Christian. The Armor-Less Christian. I want to give us a picture today of the armorless Christian so we can all see, me included, I think we're going to talk about three areas there's something all of us can take away from this today and take action on in one of these three areas in our life. Number one, again, if you're taking notes, these are the things we're going to talk about. I'm going to give them to you, and then we're going to go back through them together. Number one, we must be aware. Everybody say aware. We must be aware enough to recognize the fight. We must be aware enough to recognize the fight. Now, I used to shoot... Um, used to shoot pool, play uh, eight ball in this uh, pool league. And uh, when you get in a pool league, um, how many of you know you get a bunch of guys in there, get a little competitive, maybe throwing back a few beers, get, get a little contentious sometimes, right? It's not always peaceful. And one night, these two guys, they just start going at it. And they're just jawing back and forth, you know. Oh, you didn't make shot. You're cheating. You're doing this, you know. And they're just kind of arguing. Here's the problem. One of the guys thought they were arguing. The other guy thought they were fighting. I'll say that again. One of the guys thought they were arguing. The other guy thought they were fighting. Now, if you're in a fight and you think you're in an argument, you're in trouble. So the argument moves to the doorway. The one guy's kind of blocking the door and he's in the other guy's face. The other guy's trying to get through the door and all of a sudden, the one who thinks they're in a fight lets the other one know. Doesn't give him a lot of advance warning, though. He comes from here to here. One punch, the fight is over. The guy's, da, 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 bing, he's done. Knocked out cold. He's laying in the doorway of the pool hall, spread eagle, <laughs> dreaming about something. I don't know what, but he was out. He was done. And listen, this is the picture of the armorless Christian. Satan has knocked you out before you even realize you're in a fight. You're laid out in the doorway just dreaming, jerking. Sometimes my, we have a little dog at our house. Sometimes she dreams, you know. You ever see a dog dream and they're just sitting there? She's running. She's chasing something. I don't know. A lot, a lot of us are just knocked out cold. Satan has destroyed our marriage. Satan has infiltrated our business. Satan is destroying our finances. Satan has our spiritual life off. He's got sin, bad habits. He's attacking us, and we don't even know we're in a fight. We're getting knocked out, and we're like, man, I just thought we were talking. Listen, our enemy is not going to play fair. Satan is not interested in playing fair with you. He doesn't care if he hurts your feelings. The Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we have to be aware enough to recognize the fight. Number two, we must be healthy enough to join the fight. 
We're gonna talk about this, teach on this a little bit. There's, there's some misconceptions around this in the body of Christ. What does it mean to be healthy? We all have sin, we all have issues. We're gonna talk about that, but you must be healthy enough to join in the fight. Number three, we must be skilled enough to win the fight. We must be skilled enough to win the fight. And I know sometimes with Christians, it's like, you know, well, I just, I just love the Lord. I just, you know, I just want to love everybody. I just love Jesus. Isn't that enough? Isn't it enough? I just love Jesus. No, it's not enough. It's not enough just to love Jesus. Listen, you've got an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. You need to know how to put your spiritual armor on. You need to be trained. You need to be strong enough to use the sword of the Spirit to fight back against your enemy. Just because you have a good heart, listen, Satan's not going to look at you and go, oh, bless her heart. I'm just going to give her the day. I'm not going to attack her family because she's just so sweet. No, listen, the enemy hates you. He wants to rob from you. He wants to destroy. So we must be aware. We have to be healthy and we have to be skilled. So let's talk first of all about being aware. Far too many believers are simply not spiritually aware. We lack spiritual discernment. We can't recognize or separate the natural from the spiritual. We don't see spiritual attacks when they're happening. Now, one of my favorite military movies is called A Few Good Men. Now, how many of y'all seen the movie, Few Good Men? You probably can recite the famous line, Jack Nicholson, they're in the courtroom. What does he say? You can't, that's right, you can't handle the trick. That's a great line, isn't it? We all know that line. It's a great line, great movie. But there's a scene in that movie where Tom Cruise, he plays uh, Lieutenant Daniel Caffey. He's like the lead attorney. And then his uh, assistant is named Sam Weinberg. They're, they're naval officers. They're, they're attorneys. And they've got to investigate this alleged murder. So they fly to Cuba, Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. And they're going to do some investigation. When they land, they're wearing their, their Class A military, their naval uniform. So they're just all white. All white, head to toe, all white. Everybody else on the base is in camo, right? They look like real soldiers, but they, they're naval. So they're just all white. They get off the plane. The, the private comes to pick them up. He's a Marine, and he gets there, and he says, oh, hey, Lieutenant, um, jump in the Jeep. I'll take you to the base. And he says, I've got some camouflage jackets for you in the back, and I suggest you put them on. Tom Cruise's character, Kathy, he looks over, and they're looking at each other, and he's like, why? Why do we need to put that on? And he says, well, I'm going to drive you by the fence line today, and when the Cuban soldiers see somebody coming through, an officer in all white, they think that might be somebody I ought to take a shot at. Tom Cruise and the other guy, they look at each other like, holy smokes. Because they're not seeing themselves as an active combatant. How many of you know they put the jackets on? They don't want to get shot because they're driving by the fence line. But here's the thing. When you watch that movie from the beginning to the end, you see the difference between the Marines at that base and Tom Cruise's character, Lieutenant Caffey. See, his every day, he's in Washington, D.C. They've got marching bands and softball games. He's not in a foxhole. He's not shooting guns. He's not getting dirty. He doesn't see himself as an active combatant. But there was a problem. Those Cuban soldiers did. 
They saw him as somebody they want to take a shot at. And here's the thing. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we sign up to be a Christian, when, when we say, hey, I want to enlist in the army of God, listen to me, you are dressed in all white. The Bible says we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So the moment you're saved, the moment you stand up and say yes to Jesus, the enemy sees you dressed in white. The enemy sees you as a target. And too many Christians think, well, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a, I'm not a missionary. You know, if you were going to pack up your stuff today and move to, you know, Thailand and be a missionary, you, what would you do? You would think, man, I'm going to be on the front lines. Like, I need people praying for me. I need to, like, this is going to be a spiritual battle, right? I mean, you would see that as a potential for a spiritual battle. But because we live in Charlotte, because we just come to church and I'm just with my family, I'm just going about my daily life, we don't see the spiritual battle that's happening all around us. See, we think, well, I'm dressed in all white. I'm just, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a civilian. Listen, there are no civilians in this war. Satan sees you as a target. There are real spiritual forces at work and they have you in their crosshairs. Now, why is it not obvious to people that we're in a spiritual battle? Because our enemy's greatest weapon, our enemy's greatest weapon is deception. The Bible says he's a father of lies. So the enemy's greatest weapon at his disposal is deception. He wants to convince you that you're not in a fight, right? If he can convince you that you're not in a fight, if he can convince you every, we're at peacetime, there's no problem, you're not going to put your armor on, right? If you're a soldier and you've got a backpack and you've got gear, that stuff's heavy. It takes a little bit of work to put on the armor of God. It takes a little bit more work to get up every day and to pray and read the word of God and put on the breastplate of righteousness. If the enemy can make us think we're at peacetime, well, I'm not an active combatant. I'm a, the enemy's not going to take a shot at me. Then I'm never going to put on the armor of God. I'm going to live my life as an armorless Christian. So what does it look like? What, is it, what does it look like to be an armorless Christian? I'm going to give you some examples today. An armorless Christian fails to, to recognize some of the following things as spiritual attacks. Now, I, can't, I don't have time to go through all of them. There's probably a million examples, but I'm going to give you some of the most common ones. Number one, if you're taking notes today, number one, disappointment with church and with people. Disappointment with church and with people. This is a, a tactic the enemy used. It's this, uses. It's a spiritual attack that often we fail to realize or see as a spiritual attack. And so someone says something to me at church, a leader doesn't do something, or somebody doesn't invite me to the thing, or somebody says something to me sideways, and then what begins to happen? Now listen, people can hurt you, offend you anywhere you go, right? People can offend you at the grocery store. But here's the difference. Somebody offends you at the grocery store, you might go home and tell your husband or wife, man, that cashier's kind of rude to me today. But that's kind of the end of it, right? You don't focus on it three months later. But somebody offends you at church, man, you wake up thinking about it. You go to bed thinking about it. You're at work the next day. It pops in your head. Man, you just can't shake it. It's like, why did they talk to me like that? What did they mean by that? How do they think about me? It's just on your mind. Now listen, do you think there's any possibility, just maybe, I know it's a stretch, but possibly that could be the enemy 
I mean, do you think there's any way that Satan would love to use an offense, something that happens to you at church, to drive you away from church and distract you from walking with God? You think that could be a spiritual attack? But we have to be aware. We have to see it as a spiritual attack. What about distractions? Distractions when praying or attempting to pray. Armorless Christians talk more about praying typically than they actually pray. See, what happens is I go to pray and I get down on my knees and, you know, it's like it's prayer time and man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after God today. And then when you get down to pray, you realize I'm really hungry. I mean, I'm really hungry right now. And it would, it, honestly, it would be disrespectful to God for me to pray on an empty stomach. I mean, I'm going to be distracted, right? I'm going to be distracted. I'm not going to give him my full attention. And so I need to go make myself something to eat. So I go to the refrigerator. I get me, I make a sandwich. I eat. Now I feel better. I can be undistracted. So now I'm going to go to God and I'm going to pray. But then the phone rings. And it's work and there's a problem and, you know, they need me. So I've got to solve the problem. I mean, I've got to take care of this. It's urgent. And so I'm taking care of the problem. I, I was hungry. I, I ate. Now I'm taking care of the problem and the problem's solved. Now we can pray. But now the kids come. Mom, Dad, I need you to do this. And three hours go by and we haven't prayed. Three hours becomes three days. Three days becomes three weeks. And Satan has successfully distracted me from my prayer life. Now, is that a spiritual attack? Because sometimes we just view all those things as, you know, well, it's just, you know, it's, it's a lot of coincidence there that every single time I go to pray, a distraction comes. Listen, it's not a coincidence. Satan is trying to distract you. That's an attack. What about procrastination of spiritual priorities? Giving, serving, community. Armorless Christians are always going to. Now, this is a big one. When you talk to an armorless Christian, they don't know where they're in a spiritual fight. They don't see the urgency of the battle. You say, hey, man, are you, you signed up in a life group? And they say, well, I, I'm going to. When are you going to? Well, you know, we, we just had a baby. We've just been really busy. I just got this promotion at work. I've had a lot on my plate. But I'm going to. I'm going to. Hey, are you, are you, are you serving? Man, we've been talking about this. Are you, are you serving at, at church? Well, I've just had a lot going on in my life. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to serve. Are you tithing? Are you being generous? Well, it's not that I'm not. It's just, you know, I'm kind of waiting. I started doing a little bit, and I'm just waiting. I got this promotion, this raise coming. I'm going to have a little more margin. Then I'm, I'm, I'm going to start tithing. I'm, I'm going to. See, armorless Christians are always going to. I went over about like I thought. Attachment created by prosperity. Armorless Christians say my a lot, my car, my job, my future, my dreams, my money, my family, my, my, my. They don't recognize that as a spiritual attack, especially in America because in America part of the gospel has become prosperity. So it's like, hey, if I'm doing well, God must be blessing me. But we fail to realize that sometimes those blessings can distract us from the person who gave me the blessings. And so we've got to be aware that Satan can use the stuff in my life as a weapon against me to pull me away from God. This one's a big one, chasing the sensational. Armorless Christians are always looking for something to get excited about. 
They're always looking for the new thing, the new book, the I wish we would do more of this. Encounter was so great. We should just do Encounter every single weekend. I just, I need to feel that again. We're always looking for a feeling, an emotion, a high, a new thing. Can I tell you today, if you have Jesus, you have enough to be excited about every day of your life forever. Jesus is enough. Well, I've just been kind of down. I know, Jesus but my marriage, I just need this, this book, this class, Jesus. Those things are fine, but listen, what you need is in Jesus. And we don't need to always be looking for something new, something better, something different. No, we need to be settled in Jesus. Jesus is enough. We need to pray that God will reveal to us the reality of the spiritual fight. We need to read God's word. We need to understand that we're engaged in a spiritual fight. And there's no civilians in this war. There are nobody, there's no neutral. Just because you don't want to fight doesn't mean the enemy is going to leave you alone. He's going to attack you. And finally, we've got to stop fighting people. If we're going to be aware that we're in a spiritual battle, what does Paul say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So we've got to stop fighting people. If you're fighting your spouse, wrong enemy. If you're fighting with your kids, wrong enemy. You're fighting with a, a friend or somebody at work or a boss or there's some issue with somebody. Listen, wrong enemy. Your enemy is not flesh and blood. Your enemy is spiritual forces. We just read that. And so we have to stop fighting the wrong enemy. I can't tell you how often as a pastor people come to us. They'll tell us their problems. They want prayer, counsel, things like that. And how often the focus is on someone else. Well, I've got this problem in my marriage. And if my husband would just... I got this problem with work, and if this person would just, and very rarely do we go past the other person to the spiritual attack. Man, I'm having this issue in my marriage, and I know it's from the enemy. I know Satan wants to derail my marriage. I know Satan wants to keep us out of church. I know Satan wants to keep us apart, and so I recognize this is a spiritual attack. Give me God's word so I can fight back against it instead of fighting against other people. Listen, you can't attack an enemy you don't recognize. And so if we're in a spiritual battle, we've got to get good at recognizing our enemy. This passage starts and it ends with a call to be aware and alert. Paul ends this whole passage saying, be alert. Wake up. Be aware. Be alert for your enemy. Now, once we become aware and alert, once we realize we're in a spiritual battle, then we must be healthy enough to join in the fight. we got to be healthy enough to join in the fight. Now, many believers get their, key, their teeth kicked in because either they don't realize they're in a spiritual battle or they're not wearing the full armor of God. But what does this mean? How do we understand this? How do, what do we do with it? we got to understand in sports, there's a difference between hurt and injured. Hurt and injured. If you're a football player, every football player plays hurt Every single game. If you're a football player and you're playing, you're hurt, right? Now, you might not be injured, but you're hurt. Every football player plays hurt. And listen, every Christian is going to play hurt. If you're a Christian, you're going to get banged up. You're going to have hurts. You're going to have wounds. People are going to do things to you. You're going to play hurt. But there's a difference, and we have to understand the difference between playing hurt and playing injured. See, when I'm injured as a Christian, when I've, got a, when I've got a broken leg, when I've got a broken leg, I don't go home and soak it in some Epsom salt. 
If I've got a broken leg, I'm not gonna go home and take a Tylenol, right? I break my leg, what am I gonna do? I'm going to the hospital. My leg is broken. I can't walk. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ignore the injury. Why? Because it's gonna cause more damage. Number one, it's super painful. But if I try to walk on that broken leg, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna injure it more. I'm gonna make it worse. I'm gonna bring on a worse situation. And injured Christians need to properly diagnose and treat their injuries, their wounds, the things in their life, the deep-seated hurts that are causing us not to wear the armor of God. We can't ignore an injury. So what are some examples of Christians playing injured? What are some examples of that? Number one, and this is gonna be popular, Habitual sin, habitual and unconfessed sin. That's an injury in a Christian. We need to understand that as a Christian, I should not be living in habitual sin. If there's a pattern of sin in our life as a Christian, we've got an injury. The leg is broken. Like something is messed up. Now, I know immediately some people in here are gonna say, yeah, but we, we all sin There's a big difference, there's a big difference in, well, the other night, me and my wife had an argument. I kind of got a little rude. I need to apologize to her. Like, that's gonna happen. We're gonna slip up. We're We're gonna do some things we shouldn't do. Big difference in that, and every other Tuesday, she catches one of these. That's a big difference. Big difference in somebody who's doing that or coming home completely wasted three nights a week. Somebody that's gambling away their money and can't pay the mortgage for their family. Somebody that's got an addiction that's causing major issues in your life. Listen, that is a pattern of destructive sin and it needs to be dealt with. And I don't say this to bring judgment. Listen, all of us have dealt with these patterns in our life. The problem is not that the church, and and this has been the problem for many, many years, is people will say, well, Christians are just so judgmental. They just want to stick their finger out. That has not been the problem. That is not the problem. The problem is that as as Christians, as the church, listen, number one, if you have a sin issue in your life, no one here is interested in judging you or beating you up. We're here to help you. We're here to love you. We're here to counsel with you, pray with you, because what is our desire? For you to get victory in that area of your life. You do not have to live in bondage to sin. That is a lie of the devil. And the world would love for you to believe That living in these habitual patterns of sin, well, that's just normal. Everybody does it. Listen, no, they don't. That's not true. Don't buy the lie from the enemy that habitual sin is normal for a Christian. We all sin, we all mess up, but if it's a pattern, if it's a habit, if it becomes something that is just bringing destruction in our life, we need to get some help. We got a broken leg. We need to go to the hospital and say, doctor, set this thing. I can't walk because that is not normal. Number two, inconsistent fruit of the Spirit. Inconsistent fruit of the Spirit. Christians should have consistent fruit of the Spirit. And so if you're a Christian and you're healthy, I'm talking about a healthy Christian, your life should be made up of love, joy, peace, gentleness, self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit. Like that should be That should be being produced from the inside of you consistently on a regular basis. Now, again, that doesn't mean I don't have an off day where something happens and my joy level drops a little bit. 
But if every day of my life, if 90% of the time I'm going around as a Christian and I've got no joy, I've got no peace, I've got no love in my heart for other people, I've got no self-control, if that's 90% of my life, listen, I'm injured. I'm injured. I can't go and lead others. I can't help people because I'm injured myself. I need to recognize that is not normal for a Christian. It's not normal. Number three, unforgiveness and bitterness. Unforgiveness and bitterness. Listen, when you come to Jesus Christ, when you sign up for the army of God, you gave up your right to unforgiveness. You gave up your right to bitterness. Because Jesus saved you, because you've been forgiven, guess what? Now you have to forgive. And so if you're a Christian and you're continually struggling, struggling with a root of bitterness towards someone in your life, if you've got someone in your life today and you're like, man, I just can't let it go, that's not normal for a Christian. What that tells you is there's an injury, there's a wound, there's a hurt that I need to address I need to go to God. I need to come to forward classes here at the church. I need to dig in, let the Holy Spirit dig in to that wound, that hurt in me, so that I can issue forgiveness to that person because that's not normal for a Christian to have unforgiveness and bitterness. Number four, a powerless prayer life. A powerless prayer life. When you pray, what do you expect? When you pray, what do you expect? When you pray, do you expect things to change? Because as a Christian, it's not normal to have a powerless prayer life. That indicates an injury somewhere deep inside of me. Now, I went through a period of, like, a period of this not that many years ago. I mean, I, I would pray because as a Christian, we're supposed to, right? That's one of the things, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to pray. And I'm a pastor. Like, I gotta pray, right? Like, it's messed up. If I ain't praying, we got problems, right? I'm supposed to pray, so I pray. It's like, okay, I'm going to go to God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do the thing. But I really, I, I lost that expectation that things were going to move, that things were going to change. I lost that expectancy. Listen, that's not normal. I had to dig deep in my past, my life, and figure out, man, where have I lost this aggressiveness of my faith to go to my knees and believe not only that God hears me, but that stuff's going to happen. As a Christian, when I get on my knees, man, I need to expect the earth to shake a little bit. I need to expect that God is going to move. And if you're in this place in your life where maybe you've had disappointments, you've had letdowns, and you've just kind of stopped believing, well, I'm going to pray because I know I should, but, you know, you don't really have that expectancy that God's going to do something. That's a powerless prayer life. That, that indicates you've got a wound, an injury somewhere deep inside, and you need to address it. Last one, lack of spiritual fruit. Lack of spiritual fruit. It's a promise. If you say, I'm not really fruitful spiritually. I don't lead people to Christ. I don't serve. I don't do anything. I'm not producing spiritual fruit. And I just never have. I just don't know. That's just not me. Listen, it is you. I'm going to show you in a second in God's word. That's a promise from God's word. That is not normal from a Christian. So why do I lay these things out? It's not to beat you up. It's not to, it's not to judge you. If you, you're one of these people, you're a terrible Christian. Get out of here right now. No, it's not that at all. I want us to be able to recognize because what happens so many times in our lives is as Christians, we justify patterns, these injuries and wounds in our life. We're stuck 
in unforgiveness. We're stuck with a powerless prayer life. We're stuck living every day with no joy, no peace. The fruit of the Spirit's not consistent. And we just settle for it and think it's normal. We just settle and we think, well, I guess that's kind of normal. I mean, everybody goes through stuff. Listen, everybody plays hurt, but you should not be playing injured. You should not be playing injured. If you're playing injured, we need to address it. Let's look at a couple examples real quick. Let's start with a lack of spiritual fruit. John 15, verses 4 and 5. Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him... He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus tells us that if we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. Now notice, he doesn't say might, and he doesn't say some. He doesn't say if you abide in me, you might bear fruit. He doesn't say if you abide in me, you might bear some fruit. He said if you abide, you will bear much will bear much. It's a promise. And so when a Christian is not bearing spiritual fruit, we have to look at that and say, well, man, I must not be abiding. Because Jesus said, if I abide, I'm gonna bear fruit. But so many times Christians will say, well, I'm abiding, I'm just not fruitful. Listen, either you're not abiding or Jesus is a liar. Because Jesus promised, if you abide, you will bear fruit. And not just some fruit. He promises you will bear much fruit. So this can happen many ways, but this is how it relates back to the armor of God. See, if we fail to wear the breastplate of righteousness, Satan can attack our heart. He can corrupt our why. We're not being fruitful. Why? Because Satan has successfully attacked our fellowship, our walk with Jesus. Somewhere he's got us to stop abiding. So we have to recognize, man, I'm missing the armor. Satan's found a chink in my armor, and I've got to start abiding so I can begin to be fruitful. The breastplate of righteousness protects our front and our back. It protects our what and our why. When we put on the righteousness of God in Christ, when I understand, when I have a revelation, the breastplate of righteousness that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that's going to generate in me a desire to bear fruit. It's not only going to generate a desire to do good things, it's going to generate it from a good heart and a good motive. It's going to generate that why from inside of me. It's going to be driving that. What about unforgiveness and bitterness? I think that's probably one of the biggest ones people struggle with. Bitterness is like a weed that grows over time. It doesn't happen in a day. And when a Christian has a root of bitterness in their life, they've slowly lost the joy of their salvation. Look at Hebrews 12, verse 14. It says, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Now we know how things grow in the ground. Right? You put a seed in the ground, you dig a hole, you put a seed in the ground, you cover it up with dirt, you put some water, some sunshine, things grow, right? Next thing you know, you got a plant. But how do things grow in people? You ever think about that? How does a root of bitterness grow? How does anxiety 
grow? How does doubt grow? How does fear grow? Where do things grow in people? They grow in our minds. They grow in our minds. When the enemy can successfully attack our minds, it tells us we aren't wearing the helmet of salvation. The enemy will often attack us through our thought life. And the helmet of salvation applies the gospel to every thought. The gospel should be your thought filter as a Christian. So when you're a believer, every time the enemy attacks me, he attacks my thought life. He, he tries to plant a seed of doubt in my head, a seed of bitterness in my head. I have to filter that with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We have mighty spiritual weapons. Verse 5, he says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought Captive to obey Christ. Every thought captive to obey Christ. And so when that person offends me at church and that bitterness starts to rise up in me, I filter that by the gospel. And so I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm offended, but I have to filter it with the gospel. Well, Jesus died for me. I've done more to offend God than any person will ever do to offend me. And God forgave me. God died for me. God loved me. And so that's my filter forgiveness issued. We have to capture those thoughts. We have to capture every thought and make it subject to the gospel. That's the helmet of salvation. And so in this, what we see is this. How do I know the difference between I'm hurt and I'm injured as a Christian? We're all going to get hurt. We're all, all going to get beat up. We're all, all, all going to get some dings. You know, we're, we're, in a, we're in a contact sport with the enemy, right? Stuff's going to happen. As a Christian, when I'm injured, I begin to justify disobeying God. When I'm injured, I know I need to tithe, but I can't afford it. I tried it and it didn't work. Somebody said... I watch this on YouTube. I don't understand. I don't believe this. The church's motives aren't right. They're just after my... We, we find a way to justify not obeying God. I know the Bible says, but. Anytime as a Christian, you can look at the scripture and you know what it says. You know that's true. You know it's the Bible, but you can justify your disobedience to God's word. Listen to me. You're injured. You're injured. There's a wound somewhere in there and it's crippling you from walking in your faith. God has designed the armor to protect your thought life, your motivations, your very lives, your health, your family, your kids. God has designed the armor to protect you. And here's the thing, these injuries, these wounds, they don't happen overnight. It's not like you wake up one morning and you're just injured. No, it happens because the enemy... He probes where he can get an attack in. He, he checks to see, is the shield of faith up? Is the breastplate of righteousness up? Are they wearing the helmet of salvation? He'll send a thought. He'll fire an arrow of doubt. He'll fire an arrow of bitterness, of anger, of lust. He'll fire that in there. And if it clink, if it hits off the shield, he's like, all right, we want to try something else. But he's going to keep probing until he finds a weakness. Till he finds a place where you've left off the armor and then once he finds it, he's gonna keep working it until he's got you crippled. 
until he's got that leg broken, until he's created that injury in our life. God doesn't want us to live this way. God doesn't want us to live, you're not going to avoid the hurts, but God doesn't want you to live injured. He doesn't want you to live a subpar life. He doesn't want you to excuse away living with unfulfilled promises. I know Jesus said I could be fruitful, but he doesn't want you to live that way. He wants you to put on the full armor of God. Now, I don't have time to go through every scenario, but I want to wrap up kind of looking at the big picture today. The unaware Christian doesn't recognize spiritual fights, so seldom wears the whole armor of God. I mean, why do you need the armor if you're not in a fight? If you're not a soldier, if you're not an active combatant, if you're not going out to war, why put on all that stuff? I mean, that's just inconvenient, right? And so the armorless Christian usually is unaware. We don't know we're in a spiritual fight. What's the answer to this? We need to pray for spiritual eyes so that we can see the reality of the spiritual fight that's happening all around us. We need to go to God and say, God, I'm having an issue here, but show me where this is spiritual. Show me where the enemy is attacking me, trying to derail me, trying to drive me away from you. The unhealthy Christian doesn't separate, isn't able to separate hurts from spiritual injuries. So they never join the fight at all or they damage themselves more by trying to fight while they're injured. They're like that football player out there. I mean, they got the helmet on, they got the pads on, but their leg's broken, they're trying to run out there. How many of you know that's gonna make it worse? And many of us are trying to come into church and show off for everybody else. And I want to be a leader. I want to serve. I want to do this and do that. Listen, not if you're injured. You need to get healthy. You need to get healed. You need to get whole. So you're not adding to that injury. What's the answer to this one? We need to use the mirror of God's word to gain self-awareness where we're missing the armor. We need to ask for help. We need to get coaches, people in our life that we trust to help us. Now, here's the thing about coaches. Coaches don't have to be better than you at the game. I could go out today and I could coach some 19-year-olds in basketball and listen to me. I could help them. I could coach them. I'm not better than them at basketball. If I tried to play them in basketball today, I'd probably die. I would like have, you know, they'd be calling an ambulance. You know, I couldn't keep up with them for five minutes. Doesn't mean I'm better than them. Here's what a coach is. A coach can see what you can't. Coaches can see what you can't. And so often your spouse, often that friend, often that life group leader, they can see what we can't. But in our pride, we can't receive from them because, well, they don't know the Bible more than I do. They're not more spiritual than me. I can only be led by the campus pastors. I need the Blantons. I need, I need the senior pastors. Listen, no, you don't. There is one, there's two of them and there's hundreds of us, right? They can't counsel and help every single person. They do what they can. But listen, sometimes what you need is just a good friend. Just a good Christian friend that loves God and will be honest with you. A spouse that you can go to in humility and say, what do I need to change that I can't see? That I'm blind to? That's what a good coach will do. And finally... The unskilled Christian might recognize the spiritual battle. You might see it. You might say, yeah, I know we're in a spiritual fight. You might be healthy enough. Maybe you've dealt with these things in your life and you're healthy enough to fight, but you still might be hesitant to go on the offensive. Maybe you're second guessing. I'm not a pastor. I don't know the word like that. I don't know how to preach or, you know, prophesy, do these things. That's not me. I don't know what to do. We need to become skilled soldiers for the kingdom. This is what I learned recently 
about Roman soldiers. They, they fought with these short swords. They were about two, two and a half feet long. And they fought with these short little, they didn't have these long broadswords. They had these short swords. And the way they would fight is this. They would train the Roman soldiers to thrust, only to thrust. Why? Because they fought side by side. And if I'm taking my sword side by side and I'm slashing like this, I'm going to put his eye out and chop his arm off, right? And so they learn, plus, if I'm slashing, I don't do that much damage anyway. I hit a shield, I hit armor, maybe I hurt the guy a little bit, but I'm not going to kill anybody like that. Like, the armor is going to block the, the blow. So what they learned was the right-timed thrust. They would lift their shield, thrust, and if they hit their target, it was efficient and it was deadly. Now, what does that mean for us? It means with the word of God. Listen, stop trying to explain it. Stop trying to argue with everybody. Just thrust it. Just thrust it. Just take scripture and thrust it into situations. You got somebody at work and they're battling cancer. Listen, you don't have to convince them that God will heal. It's not your job anyway. You don't have to convince them God will heal them. Just email them some healing scriptures. Just thrust the word. Just look up what does God's word say about it and then speak the word. Thrust the word. Listen, the word always works. The second thing I learned about Roman soldiers is they trained with swords that were two times heavier. Why? Because it developed the muscles in them so that when they were in the battle, they didn't get tired. Listen, some of us need to double down on our time in God's word. We need to train to be ready to fight. Listen, our enemy's not going to play fair. He's going to come hard. He's going to come after you continuously over and over again. And listen, you need to be in God's word enough so that when you're in the heat of battle, you don't get tired and you can thrust the sword. Amen? I want to read you a few scriptures. We're going to pray. Psalms 107, verse 20. God's word is powerful. Listen to this. He sent out his word and healed them. And delivered them from their destruction. Hebrews 4 verse 12. It says, for the word of God is active and alive. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit. Of joints and marrow. And discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This is my favorite right here. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11. It says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. When you learn to thrust God's word, listen, it will never return void. God's word always accomplishes what it is set forth to do. Always. So to be an effective soldier for God, it means we're aware of the urgency of this, this battle. It means... We're going to play hurt. We're going to deal with the dings, the bumps, the bruises, but we're not going to play injured. If we've got these patterns in our life, these wounds in our life, we're going to get healthy. And it means we're going to get skilled in using God's word, speaking God's word. You don't need a theology degree. You just need to read the book and use it. Put it in action. Amen? We can all do that today. So I'm going to ask you right now to stand on your feet. We never want to leave a service without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of our life. Listen, we, the church of Jesus Christ eventually always wins. It's always going to be victorious. Why? Because we serve a general. We serve a king that never loses. He doesn't know defeat. 
And so if you want to join the army of God today, you have an opportunity to do that. I'm going to ask everyone to bow your head for just a moment. Close your eyes. Those joining us online, we want to ask you to participate in this. If you've never made Jesus Christ, you've never acknowledged him as the Lord of your life, today's the day for that. He died on the cross for your sin. All these things that I've been talking about, the sin, the the pain, the struggles, these patterns in our life, there's no freedom from, from those things without Jesus. You've got to have Jesus come in. His Holy Spirit will come in and can set you free. And his spirit is here today. The presence of God is here today. It's here for you. It's here for you. The Bible says in Romans that if we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died for our sins, that he rose from the dead, if we just believe that in our heart, we trust in that. And if we confess it with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible promises you will be saved. It's all you have to do. And so maybe right now you're standing there and you've got the belief in your heart, but you've never confessed it. You've never been bold enough to raise a hand, to say the words out loud, today is your day. I'm gonna ask you if that's you right now, you've never, you've never acknowledged him, you've never confessed it before and made Jesus your Lord. If that's you today, would you just lift your hand up right now? We just wanna say a prayer with you. Amen, I see that hand. I see that hand, I see that hand. Amen, hands up all over the room. If you're online today, you can raise your hand in the chat. We have people to pray with you. Amen. If that's you today, just lift that. Be bold. Just soldiers are bold. Just lift your, just lift your hands up right now. I just want to see who I'm praying for. Amen. And we're going to pray this together. Church, let's join in. Let's pray with them, but let's also join in and let's pray for some boldness to address these things in our life. Amen. Just repeat this after me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I believe that. I believe it in my heart. And right now, I'm confessing it out loud. Jesus is Lord. Jesus died for me. Jesus rose again. He is my Savior. He has made me new. I receive that by faith. Now, God, forgive me of every sin. I leave here today right with you. Fill me with boldness with courage to fight, to put on the armor of God. I thank you. I walk in your power. In Jesus' name, amen.